30 years, Massachusetts has had a right to shelter law, which requires the state to provide shelter to families with children as well as pregnant women, but not to homeless individuals. The law, unique to Massachusetts, is attracting a lot of attention right now because more and more people are seeking emergency shelter at a time when housing is in short supply across the state. According to reports, more than 5,600 families with children are living in state-funded shelters, which range from standalone facilities to motel rooms. In January, according to one press report, 388 families were living in Massachusetts hotels being used as shelters. The number of families had increased to 1,400 earlier this month. The state is reportedly spending $45 million a month to help families eligible for emergency assistance. Part of the reason demand for emergency shelter is outstripping supply is an influx of migrant families. Governor Moore Healy recently declared a state of emergency, urging the federal government to pass immigration reform and streamline the process for allowing immigrants to take jobs. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Bruce Moe of Commonwealth, and I'm joined by two guests, Representative Peter Durant, a Republican from Spencer who is currently running for a seat in the state Senate, and Evan Horowitz, Executive Director of the Center for State Policy Analysis at Tufts University. Representative, let's start with you. Take a few minutes to lay out what you think should be done. Thank you, Bruce. Thanks for taking the time and having me on. I, I think this is a very complex issue uh, that we're facing right now. It's something that we haven't really had to think about uh, very often. And uh, as you mentioned, it's been on the books for 40 years now. It's been on the books for a long time. But as we start to see these migrant families coming in, this situation has just spiraled kind of uh, out of control. And so I think one of the things that we're seeing is that uh, uh, these types of policies, if not outright repealed, they need to be they need to be reviewed. And maybe it's just some simple fixes that we can go through. But we certainly have to take a hard look at what's happening here and, and, and the amount of money that this is costing the taxpayers of, of Massachusetts. You know, I think we're all compassionate. Right. We, we all believe that uh, we want to help our neighbors. We want to help those who, um, quite frankly, want to come to this country. I think we can have substantive arguments on how they should come to the country and, and, and what services you should be provided. But that's part of where we're at today and, and what needs to be done to um, to ensure that that a we're following the law. Uh, B is the law appropriate and, and C is the effect of this law? I, I think in effect here in Massachusetts, we're seeing that this law is becoming, um, it, or at least it has the potential and, and certainly seems to be becoming uh, a magnet for families to come here. And, um, and, and so again, I think as we look at the cost of this, we need to take a hard look at, um, at, at this particular law. I've seen press reports where you've been quoted or statements have, have been issued by, by you in your campaign that sort of implies the law should be repealed. Is yeah. is that not your position or? Yeah, I, I think we need to, you know, look, I, I think we need to repeal the law or at the very least, you know, those kinds of things. It starts the conversation on, on what we're spending and how we might even be able to fix it. Look, I'm not opposed to fixing it. And I think it would be simple, you know, simple language where you could put that, uh, you know, it is, 
uh, eligible only to citizens. I mean, certainly I have constituents. I, I can tell you I'm just dealing with a constituent now in Southbridge um, who has worked for many years in the human services industry. She's worked with um, a, a number of people and she finds herself homeless. She finds herself in a shelter. So we're certainly compassionate to those, but I think either an outright repeal or even just some modifications that that the, put some parameters around who this law can affect is, is appropriate. So when we start the conversation, certainly starting the conversation off with a repeal um, may seem extreme on one end, but I do think it starts the conversation off. Evan, why don't you take that conversation in a in a, in a well? I, I'm glad. Yeah, I'm glad you asked the follow up because I was going to say, you know, that that first the first set of comments, it's hard to disagree with. Should we take a harder look at policies? Yeah, we should always take a harder look at policies. Should we assess the impact and see if it's having the effects we want it to have? Yeah, for sure, we should assess the impacts and see, you know, see what's going on. But that's a big. That, there's a big difference from that to saying, yeah, we should repeal it before we even know really what the impact is. And my sense is that there's really very little evidence that the promise of shelter for families is pulling people into the state. Um, what it's doing and what it has always been in place to do is make sure that children aren't on the streets. Like, you know, when you talk about compassion, it's a very concrete example of what it means to be compassionate in our housing system in Massachusetts. That's why this right to shelter is limited to families and pregnant women, because the idea is for children. Like, we, there are just some baselines, uh, some kind of baseline rules that we live by, regardless of the consequences, at least within reason. And one of them is like, we don't let kids get stuck on the streets. You know, we, we find them places to live. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, that's the impulse here. And it would take, a to me anyway, and I think to a lot of voters, it would take a lot of evidence, contrary evidence about unintended consequences and dire implications to, to force a rethinking of that and say, no, you know what? We should let kids be stuck on the streets. We should, you know, we should let families be homeless. Um, and I don't see anything approaching that kind of evidence in this case. But I, I think Evan, um, I don't think the, the representative is trying to say he doesn't want people homeless on the streets. At least he's, he wants to. No, I, yeah, for sure. For, no one's going to stand up and say, actually, what I want is kids. On, <laughs> no, yeah, of course. But that's the implication. Like, but I guess you know, I guess I'm wondering here, if you give them shelter, you don't give them shelter. And if you don't give them shelter, well, then they're on the streets. Like that's 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 right. how we ended up here. But I guess I'm, I want to just push you a little bit on the notion that this has not been a, a magnet, if you will. Um, certainly the governor in announcing an, an emergency sort of raised that issue that we need some relief from Washington to deal with this problem. There is no I, I don't think anyone is keeping any data on this. So that makes it problematic. But it seems like but I, don't, I don't even think anyone has cited any evidence for it. Right. Like if you're going to make the claim that our right to shelter law is increasing immigration into our state, you would have to say relative to other states nearby. But you know what? Lots of other states are seeing their shelter systems overwhelmed, are seeing rises in homelessness. That's not unique to Massachusetts. We are one of many states in the Northeast and border states. So no, there's no uniqueness there. And yes, I think we really need to separate here. Is our shelter system facing strains and potentially overwhelmed? For sure. And we need to address that. Um, but is the reason for that because uh, unauthorized immigrants are talking to each other about what a sweet deal they get in Massachusetts? No, or at least there's not a shred of evidence that that is the reason. The reason is uh, asylum claims have gone up a lot. So there are a lot of people that are crossing to the US in legal and uh, semi-legal ways. Um, border states have gotten creative about ways to get these people out of their states and into other parts of the country. They're giving them bus tickets, they're flying them around, right? They're trying to move people around. 
And so that has sort of changed the dynamics. But is right to shelter central to this? Uh, again, I don't think so. And I'm more than that, I don't see anybody giving a reason to think so. Representative? But I guess I, I guess my response to that is I agree. We we need to find that evidence. And we don't seem to be looking for it. So the lack of evidence may may not be there. Um, but the fact of the matter is we need to look at it. And, and I, I, I think that as we look at this policy, I mean, clearly, it's just simply human nature, right? If you're going to be given something. I think one of the problems that we're seeing is that we don't actually know who's coming across the border. We don't know if they're families. Uh, we don't know the family unit even. So we have a gap of a lot of information coming uh, from the border. I, I just think that you know, we can certainly have this conversation and um, I, I can appreciate the fact that we may not see any evidence, but the fact that we're not looking for it um, and, and we've asked the Healy administration for this information and have been stonewalled on it. So I just don't know that anybody's looking. So what evidence have you asked for, if you could be a little more specific about that, because that sounds like a, a key issue about how to un deal with this problem. Yeah, so we want to know. Uh, we we want to know how many families, and we want to know what where they're going, what the costs of this are, where they're being housed, so that we can start to get an idea as to who these folks are. Uh, again, we're not seeing that. Um, we can't assess these shelters. We can't uh, assess whether or not they're family units. What that family unit makes up. Um, are we just seeing? families only? Are they just pregnant women? I mean, I know it sounds good, but we don't know. Okay. So you think uh, that, I hate to say it this way, but a regular homeless person might be it, being admitted to the shelters in contravention? I, I'm, I'm, I'm saying it's possible. I'm saying it's possible. And we owe it to ourselves and we owe it to the people of Massachusetts. Um, and even to, especially to those who are looking for housing, um, we owe it to them to understand this problem. And we need to understand it in a minute detail because this is costing us. We, we hear $45 million uh, a month, but the costs are exponentially more than that. That may be, that may be what you're paying for uh, some hotel rooms. And I, I would still argue that that is a very low number, um, but we are also feeding them three meals a day. We're giving them EBT cards there. Uh, eligible for mass health. There is just an enormous amount of money that is going out the door that we have no idea how much it is. And so if we're not taking a hard look and really digging into this, we're doing everybody a disservice. Um, Representative, a thing, a comment Evan made about this is happening in states all across the country. Uh, in some, it's a more of a pronounced problem than others, I would guess. But uh, you do hear the this is happening in other states as well. Is the fact that we, what do you think? Is the fact that we have a, this law sort of a, a neon sign come here, or is it we just have a different law and how to respond to it? No, I, I, I do think, you know, again, I, I think that's kind of an interesting way to put it, a neon sign. But, but I do think, for lack of a better term, it is. Um, we have seen this over the years with our generous welfare state here in Massachusetts. You are seeing this in some of the cities that would be considered sanctuary cities. They are magnets. And and and, and look, I, I mean, other cities may have the same problem, but or, or other states may have the same problem, but quite frankly, they're not my problem. The, Massachusetts is what I wanna focus on. 
we know that you know potentially millions of people are coming across the border well i mean hopefully they're not all coming to massachusetts they're being spread around but that does not negate the fact that we have a serious problem here so not to sound real callous about it but i'm not really concerned about other states i'm concerned with what's happening here evan I, I just don't think you can really understand what's happening here unless you look at what's happening in other states. And I'll just put this kind of more directly. If we've had, if we have hung out a neon sign, that sign's been up for 40 years, and it's weird that we're experiencing an acute problem right now um, that is different than the problem has been for the other 39 and a half years, right? I don't, I don't think this explanation really holds water. Which again is not to say that you know the requests that the representative is talking about for more information about who's using the shelter system for how long were they those are these are all reasonable requests and necessary for really understanding what is going on because it's not like i'm here saying oh i have the actual explanation for what's going on right i do think we need uh more assessment of this and better data um the story i have in my head is really that this is mostly driven by housing prices that is housing prices have gotten so out of control not that people not that people who have crossed into the country and made asylum claims or, or come here are suddenly unable to afford housing. Probably they were struggling before, lots of them don't have work authorization, but they could tap into a community when they got here of people who came from the same country or relatives, whatever it is. And those people had housing and probably could afford slightly bigger housing um, because housing was more affordable. And the less affordable it gets, the, the harder it is to tap into those networks and find places to stay, find people who will take you in, find, you know, find a bed, find a family member, right? That becomes impossible when housing costs have gone out of control. So you know, that's that's sort of how I've been thinking about it. But again, that also is, you know, not as firmly rooted in evidence as I would want it to be. Well, and, and I think Evan just unpacked a couple of things. and I think they're important. Um, you know, the fact that it hasn't been a problem for 39 and a half years is we haven't had an unchecked border for 39 and a half years. But we have for a long time. Like this is not the first time in America, you know, in recent American history, we've had large numbers of people crossing the border. That's been a consistent thing for 20 years. It, it's it, it's been consistent. I, I don't I don't know that I would say to this level, it's been that consistent. Um, you know, this is really unprecedented, the number of people that are coming across this border. So that's, I mean, it's clearly the reason why we're seeing that. Now, I will also agree with Evan that, that you know, the housing crisis here in Massachusetts is real. But you bring up a good point, which is that those who came prior, um, and, and again, this goes back to you know the the the, the, the days of Ellis Island. Right? Those who came here had sponsors. They had family. They they were they they came knowing that there weren't um, a lot of social safety nets for them to to partake in. But they came here to make their own way and to work. And I don't necessarily disagree with you, Evan. We have a you know we can unpack another uh, topic, which is the shortage of, of labor here in Massachusetts and around the country where uh, we have a lot of businesses looking for work and, and we apparently have a, a pool of people waiting to work. But again, those are federal issues that we can't deal with on this level. So I think there's a few things that we need to talk about. But if we're talking about, first of all, that this law has been no problem for the past 39 years, I think that's a little bit um, missing the mark because we have not had this level of people crossing the border for 39 years. Secondly, housing, 100%. We need more housing. And to me, uh, that's just simply a supply and demand issue. We need to build more. Uh, that's a whole other issue that we can move in. And then and the issue of jobs is something else. We have a pool of people. Uh, perhaps they can fill some of those jobs, but it has to, again, be done properly. We cannot be taking jobs away from, uh, from those who are here legally, from those who have work permits, from those who are citizens. So... Let's push forward a little bit, maybe to get a 
a, a level playing ground for a discussion here. You both sort of say we need more data. Yeah. Is it that hard to get? Uh, you know, who's participating in this emergency shelter program? Where are they coming from? Is is I would assume that is available somewhere. I don't know m myself. What do you What do you guys think? I mean, my assumption is yes that that administrative data is kept um, and is available. Now, I'm a little bit uncertain about it because you know, as someone who has worked uh, with housing data before, a lot of housing data is distributed across agencies in the cities and towns and never centralized. So for instance, we tried to get data about people using uh, housing vouchers and there is no central database of that. Nobody has that data. It is split in, in a way that is really um, baleful for good research. Uh, so it's possible that this data is also split and nobody has a centralized, but my, my guess is that no, there's good administrative data and it's a question of getting a hold of it. Well, you know, and I'm going to defer to I'm going to defer to to Evan on this because I think you know he, he's the guy who gets this data and, and analyzes it and things like that. But I would agree this data a should exist. If it's if it's not there, we need to compile it and we need to put some effort forward uh, to do that because again, only with this data are we able to make those kind of decisions that are appropriate. Um, and until we have it, we, we're kind of just you know wandering around in the dark. You both agree that this is a housing issue in 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 a broad sense. I I'm I'm struggling a little bit with that. I'm not not disputing that it is a housing issue, but we seem to have so many housing issues right now. We have you know there's not enough this type of housing. There's not enough that type of housing. There, there's just not enough of all types of housing, and it's um, this one seems this issue of sort of emergency shelter. In my mind, I have a little time and a little hard time explaining how, I guess, if if there was more housing, then more people would be moving into that housing. There might be less, you know, more space for emergency situations. Is that what you were? Or, or yeah, so I'll take this on because I, I think my sense of the connection between the housing crisis and the shelter crisis is even stronger than the representative sense. I think like at root, this is um, rainfall from the housing crisis, right? This is uh, fall on consequence of that. And yes, it is in a, a world of housing abundance. Uh, then when you come, there are people who have uh, extra rooms because they can afford it. And those people are more willing to take in people who come into our state. Uh, there are you know people you know in your community who have extra rooms and they say, oh yes, for, for a short while we can house somebody. Or there are just more vacant places and the state can pay for those vacant places and say, okay, for temporary use we'll have here. Or um, the state can, if the zoning issues were changed, the state could say, you know what, we're going to build a new facility. We're going to build a new shelter. We're going to build more affordable housing. Um, but zoning is preventing that. So I think this is really one of the kind of trickle down impacts of the tight housing market. And unfortunately, I don't think there is a solution. So, so the, the one example where we do have really good data is about homelessness. People think that homelessness is strongly tied to things like uh, mental illness, or it's strongly tied to things like weather. Why wouldn't you go to a warm place versus a cold place? But the evidence is really clear that the best predictor of homelessness rates is housing prices. Um, when housing prices are high, homelessness goes up. And in places where housing prices are high, homelessness is higher. And you might not think like, well, these people are really at the kind of tail of economic security. Maybe they, they sort of separate from the housing market. But no, it makes a huge difference to those up and down the income ladder what the stock of housing is like and what the price of housing is like. And I think that's what we're seeing in the shelter system, just like we see it in homelessness. That's interesting. Representative, what do you, what's your take? Well, I, I push back a little bit. I, I think 
Um, you know, the, the idea that if people just had more rooms, they'd, they'd house, you know, they'd house folks, so we'll, we'll take in a family. I mean, we've seen the administration say that um, if you've got an open room, uh, taking a family. And, and I don't think there, people are rushing to take in strangers into their home. I mean, that's just human nature. I'm not, if people are not going to just say, oh, well, yeah, send a family over my way. So I think that's, I kind of push back on that a little bit. You know, the, the issue of housing to me um, is relatively simple. Um, maybe simple in theory, but uh, more complex in, in, in uh, administration, but it's just a supply and demand issue. We need to build more housing. And I think we see, even if we look at the number of housing starts in Boston, that number has dropped uh, precipitously, mainly, and I, and I think, Evan, you, you, you may or may not push back on it, but what we're seeing is in Boston, those housing starts uh, and those condo starts have all started to drop because Mayor Wu and, and others have started pushing rent control again. And nobody wants to build housing if you're going to tell me how much I have to pay for this or how much I have to uh, rent this particular apartment out for. So... To me, we need to incentivize and allow developers to build and, and build on a very large scale. Um, in Boston, that means high rises. In the suburbs, it means smaller houses. Um, lot sizes can be smaller, things of that nature. So there are some zoning issues that come into effect there. But um, to me, I, I think that's what's going on. But the idea that um, you know, if we just had more housing than these folks living in and shelters would would be in them may or may not be true but if you know it, the folks who are coming over the border do they have the ability to buy a house are they do they have cash in their pockets can they get loans i, I would say the answer to that is no um and so just simply having more houses and then the people can come across the border and have them is is just a, another cost to the government as well gosh to all of us so I, I think there's a few things to unpack there but but um to me on the housing crisis, we have to build more units um, on a massive scale. And that means loosening up those requirements for builders. Okay. Well, you know, it's interesting. Um, I, I, Evan, I don't know if you have something you want to add there. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a chance, but I wanted to sum up here if, if unless you do. Well, I'll just say a last thing, because I do think the homelessness example is a good example, because I think you could try to make the argument the representative made, which is, yeah, if we had cheaper housing, do you really think people who are homeless would be able to get jobs and get housing. It seems kind of far-fetched. And yet all the evidence suggests that's exactly what happens, right? There are mechanisms when housing is cheap for homelessness to go down and people who you would think are sort of outside the job market to get stable shelter. Um, and so I, I, I don't see why this logic wouldn't also apply. In fact, I'm pretty convinced it would also apply in the case of the shelter population. But um, in some ways, it doesn't really matter. Doesn't really matter because the representative and I are agreeing basically that you need to build more housing. Like whether my theory is right or not, um, we're not actually fighting about this, and uh, I'm certainly not going to blame the mayor. Um, but I I do think that zoning across the state, um, zoning regulations have a huge impact on how much we build and where we're building. And there's also some supply constraints. But, but anyway, I do think the housing crisis is really what stands behind the current shelter crisis more so than what's going on at the border or with the uh, right to shelter. Yeah, see, so, you know, and and, and, I, and I, I don't necessarily disagree that, I, I, but I don't necessarily agree with it either. I, I think it's being exacerbated by those coming across the border. We had a housing crisis before that occurred. Um, we needed more housing before that's occurred. So, you know, the interesting thing here is, and, 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 and Bruce, I really wanna thank you for this because 
you know, you're seeing myself and Evan, we can agree on 80% of these issues. How to solve them, I think we can probably also come to agreements on. Um, so I, I think this is a really important discussion to have uh, as we go forward. So yeah, this is good. I well, I'll agree I, also on thanking you, Bruce. That's uh... Well, I tend to agree because I thought it was going to start out in, in one area and now <laughs> we've ballooned into a, a even a much more complicated subject, if that's possible. So, and I, I appreciate that. That's the way most issues go uh, in the end, I think. But but I do, I, like I say, I, I, I do have some pushback. I think those people that are coming here, uh, that, are, that are coming across the border, they're coming across illegally, um, I, I think it's just, a, just a, a horrible crisis for, it's a humanitarian crisis, it's a crisis to our country. And, and, and I do think, I mean, I just can't help but but think about human nature. And when we provide free housing, free food, free medical care, who wouldn't want to do that? And so it's just it's just logic that that that's going to drive this uh, population to find those things, especially if they they understand that to begin with. I don't think bringing them here. Um, when they have no means of support, when they have no sponsors, uh, I don't think it's likely that they're going to go and find their own housing. Um, I, I don't know what the solution is. We've we've rented these hotel rooms now. They're under a contract for a year or, or or two years. I think it's I think it's been a year contract uh, with an extension on on many of them. Um, well, if they can't work where are they going to get money? So I don't see the end game here of where these folks are going. Barring action from the federal government, um, which is to kind of issue a blanket work permit for people, this is not going away. And, and the fact that, that the state is having to pay for this and the taxpayers are having to pay for this, there seems to be no end in sight, nor a desire for an end in sight. Well, Perhaps, uh, but but at the same time, this is the sometimes the way debates start and, mm -hmm. and some sort of consensus is reached because it becomes costly and becomes expensive and and human nature is such that until until the, I'm very familiar with it, until there's a deadline, until there's a crunch, uh, you know, it, it often doesn't get done. But but it's, um, but it's kind of a lousy way to make policy, isn't it? <laughs> Can we all agree on that? <laughs> well, you're from the legislature. You you should know better than anybody about how they often leave things to the last minute. So, True. <laughs> at any rate, uh, I want to thank Representative Peter Durant, Republican from Spencer, for joining me today, along with Evan Horowitz, the Executive Director of the Center for State Policy Analysis at Tufts University. Thank you both. And to our listeners, we'll see you again next week. Thank you.